You are listening to the Constant Comedy Podcast with Art Bell and Vinny Favalli. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Constant Comedy. I'm Vinny Favalli. And I'm Art Bell. And we are not a comedy team. <laughs> but as, you'll, as you will find out <laughs> as the podcast proceeds. But we like to think we know a lot about comedy because each of us have spent our entire career working in the field of comedy. And this podcast exists largely because Art Bell has written a terrific book called Constant Comedy. What's the tagline again, Art? Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. And he's not kidding, folks. <laughs> Art Bell had the initial idea for the Comedy Channel. What year would that be, Art? That's like a, when I had the idea, it was yeah. like in the mid 80s. But the mid 80s, because we launched right. in 89. Yeah, but I didn't pitch it to HBO until like 88, 87, right. 88. And, and you were in marketing at the time, right? Right. And th did they encourage ideas like that? Like just out of the box ideas? Hey, let's launch a network. Did they encourage it? What's the opposite of encourage? <laughs> discourage? Discourage. Discourage. <laughs> Correct. I think that that's my recollection anyway. I don't I, I mean, most people like say, I've got a great idea for a sitcom. You know, you got to follow me and my family. Not a lot of people go, I have a great idea for a network. Yeah, I guess I, I guess that was a little bit different. Um, and you got to remember, Vinny, when I when I did that, and this was the interesting thing, and I talk a lot about it in my book. I had no idea what programming was. I didn't know anything about the comedy business. All I knew is I thought there should be a comedy channel in the world. And I love comedy. And that was, that was, you know, what I walked into the, into the room with. And I said, I think you guys, I think HBO should do a comedy channel. So, so to backtrack it, uh, we're talking the eighties, uh, the, beginning of cable there weren't a lot of cable networks you know on our network tv broadcast there was nbc cbs abc then i think fox had, had just launched around that time cable was in its infancy and there there were there was a 24-hour news network which people laughed at in the beginning right cnn right um they called it chicken noodle news right exactly and larry divney our colleague who we would work with on the launch of the comedy channel was one of the 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 guys who started up CNN. But, you know, then the other genre was weather, right? A 24-hour weather channel, which sounded silly at the time, but there was that. And there was no really other genre now. Oh, sports. Sports. Are you kidding? Sports. And right. it was, and MTV was floating around. I don't remember exactly what the start date, towards the end of the 80s, I guess. Right. So there was one, there was, but there weren't a lot of music channels. There weren't a lot of weather channels. There weren't a lot of news networks. So there was one of those. And there really wasn't a drama channel, but there was certainly a lot of drama on TV. But comedy is very specific. So, so Art had this terrific idea, which he successfully uh, conveyed to the powers that be. And I, at the time, was working at Arts and Entertainment Network, which was a, a weird network at the time. We were running World War II documentaries, uh, a lot of stuff that involved Hitler in, in, in these documentaries and biography. But strangely, our biggest show at the time, remember the evening at the Improv? A&E's Evening at the Improv. Which Remember, was, that, was, that was a huge show on television. Everybody associated comedy on television with A&E and that show. It was so weird. And that was uh, Bud Friedman initially had done it in syndication. Right. And then A&E bought a bunch of episodes, uh, uh, reruns. It, it did so well. They started uh, producing new ones. But that was like a monster show for us. 
And uh, but I left in 89 with Larry Divney, who I'd mentioned earlier. And that's when I first met Art. Art and I met shortly after, I guess he, he got the green light for the idea because I was there. For, I was part of the launch team, you know, at Art's yeah, side. That's right. And I remember when you showed up, Vinny, because you said to me, all my life, I wanted to work for a channel like this. And here oh. it is. That's what you said. That was, it was, yeah, well, I feel the same. You were, I think we're roughly the same age and we had the same reference points uh, on comedy, which was great. And we're going to delve a lot deeper, deeper into this overcoming podcast, but Art has written this terrific book, Constant Comedy. And in, in talking about the book, and he, and he talks about not only the, the, the genesis of, of the comedy channel and us working together, but, but, you know, another reason we're here, how comedy channel became comedy central, which more people know about. And Comedy Central is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. It's amazing. It's, it's just amazing that Comedy Central has been around for 30 years. And I'm proud of that, I'll tell you. People say, hey, you know, you left comedy, you know, eight years after it started. What do you think about it now? And I say, yeah, it's great. You know, the fact that it's, the fact that it's lasted and, you know, has been thriving for 30 years amazes me. It's great. Yeah, they, and, and they've done an incredible job picking up from whenever we left off because we left roughly at the same time. But sadly, I don't know how much they or any other network embraces their history. Like CBS has done 50th anniversary specials and they go to their old shows and the Honeymooners, everything from the Honeymooners to Raymond. NBC has done it. ABC has done it. Comedy Central is celebrating 30 years and I haven't heard a peep about it. You know, it's, it's April. It'll be April this year. So that's another reason we felt, wow, we have this wonderful history. Let's embrace it. Art's book was the catalyst for all these wonderful memories. And you know, Art, there was a lot of great talent that we collectively, we, uh, the, the people at, at, that launched the network, because it wasn't just us, there were other people that, that we discovered back then. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people got their start there. A lot of people in comedy who had their first jobs or their early jobs in the television business went on to greatness, you know, really went on to great things. Uh, and, and hopefully we're going to be talking to some of them. Right. There was, you know, our, our, you know, the comedy channel had our version of VJs and they were all, you know, comedy writers and performers, you know, Rachel Sweet, Alan Havey, Higgins Brothers and Gruber um, and Mystery Science Theater 3000. That was born on it was it was a Minneapolis UHF show, right? UHF channel. But it was a great show. It was a great show for us. Perfect. It was a cult hit almost immediately. Yeah, we put it on. And cult hit by cult hit art means it was the kiss of death because nobody watched it. People no, no, loved that's it. That's not true. But, but no, loved it. But, but you the know ratings, what I, the ratings were never what we thought were, they. You know, the be. first year. You know, I, I got to tell you something. The reason I say I lost my sense of humor that first year is because you remember Vinny. They, yeah. It was like they were going to shut us down every day. It was right. became worse. Saying, <laughs> "Okay, this is it. It's going." Well, and, and 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 it was hard. It wasn't like. Comedy, Comedy Channel and Comedy Central were shot out of a cannon, completely successful when they started. And that's one of the reasons, you know, that I wrote the book. I wanted people to see that it was really difficult. It was that baby going. It was so difficult because like several, like maybe two months after we launched, which Comedy Channel was an HBO Time Warner Network. The other big conglomerate against us was MTV, which at the time was 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 Viacom. And they decided they wanted to launch a comedy network. And theirs was called the Ha Network. 
And at that point, the cable system operators had all the power. You could launch a network. It didn't mean people were going to carry it, right? You had to sell it to the, the, the NBC just broadcasts over the air. They have a license and people could pick it up with, with a rabbit ears. We needed to be hand delivered into homes and we need the cable system operators. And I remember John Malone at the time telling our people, look, I don't even know if we want one network, one comedy network, let alone two. So you guys got to get your shit together. And that's when the merger happened. Yeah. And they wanted us to merge. And that was, uh, that was a, that was a, a disappointing moment for a lot of us because we'd worked so hard to make our channel successful. Right. And you need, you know what we got, we got through the merger. We combined right. two completely different channels and uh, with two, two groups of people who wanted to see a comedy network on in the world. And we renamed it comedy central. And in April, 30 years ago, we launched it as comedy central and that's how it all happened. So I, listen, I'm excited to be here talking to people about the old days and, and about how things happen and about, you know, how that relates to the, the world of comedy today. Yeah. It's, it's actually not just the old days because a lot of these old days, people like our first guest, which I'm very excited to talk to her, went on to create even more comedy. And I think, you know, the underlying theme of the show and art, this is why it's such a, a great name for your book and for the podcast, constant comedy. We are inundated with comedy. Sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's unintentional, but it's a meme. It's a tweet. It's comment sections on Amazon appliances, you know, just wise guys writing stuff that's actually very, very funny. So what we hope to do with this podcast is every week to bring you interesting people that are part of the comedy flow, people behind the scenes, some, some you know, some you don't know, but you'll be impressed by what they've done and, and gather all this other ephemeral comedy, whether it's a Bernie Sanders meme, which was in, what people were doing with that was so brilliant. And normally that was reserved for a Tonight Show comedy piece or a Letterman comedy piece. People don't need shows to, to express themselves comedically and creatively. They, they just tweet it. So thank you. We're excited to be here. Art, are you ready for our first guest? I am ready. <laughs> She's not only our first guest, but depending on how things go, she may be our last guest. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> we're super excited to have her here. She needs no introduction, but damn it, she's going to get one anyway. She is an amazing executive. We worked with her back at Comedy Central, but she started her career as an NBC page, which puts her in great company because Regis Philbin, Aubrey Plaza, and Ava Marie Saint, they were all pages at different times, obviously, because Lori's just a kid. Uh, Lori... <laughs> outgrew the NBC page program and escalated pretty quickly to working for Saturday Night Live in the talent department. And she's got some interesting stories about that. She outgrew Saturday Night Live and went over to a little network called Ha, which is interesting because the Ha Network was a precursor to Comedy Central, which is when Art and I began working with her. Lori was the head of development and talent relations out of the West Coast for Comedy Central and have a lot of great stories about our time together there. But she left us to go to CBS, where she was the executive in charge of production for not only one great sitcom, King of Queens, but a little show called Everybody Loves Raymond. So talk about constant comedy. Lori is responsible for literally having her hands in hundreds of hours of comedy over the years. After 
CBS, she did a stint at UPN where she was the executive in charge of Veronica Mars, which was a scripted drama, but had a lot of comedy elements to it. So she's going to talk about that. But wait, there's more. She left CBS and UPN to go to a network called ABC. Perhaps you've heard of it, where she worked in development there. And while there, she developed Castle, a hit show. And that's where the syndication money comes in, Laurie. Cha-ching, right? Uh, she's nodding her head. Yes, yes. Oh, wide, wide. So that's where, where all of this hard work, making money for other people, finally paid off for her because that show had a long, successful run, very popular on ABC and in syndication. Lori left to to go to Man- Mandeville, right? Do I have that right? Mandeville Films, where she is in charge of the television division. Her recent show was a Marsha Clark show, by the way. Uh, she developed The Fix with Marsha Clark, who's hysterical. Believe me, you get Marsha Clark at a party and you can't <laughs> stop. You're just laughing all night long. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you're dying to hear her and not hear me anymore. Art and I welcome Lori Zacks. Hi, hi. I, I have to make one uh, one correction. Um, I I didn't um, I didn't leave Comedy Central. Um, well, first I I talked them into sending me out to the West Coast. Uh, I really I really wanted to go, but I was fired from from Comedy Central. We have that in common, Lori. Yeah, yeah. Common. I think we're all. But I w- I was fired, and um, uh, you know my last words to the the person who fired me to bring in somebody else after I introduced him to everybody in the whole town was, uh, this is going to cost you. So uh, it, it did. But, you know, it was a bad time. I was, you know, I was here. I just got divorced. I was a single mom. I was in a new city. So it was pretty, you know, not, it was not great. That was a tough time for all of us. Yeah, I still hold a grudge. And that's the name of my corporation, Grudge. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay, that's a we, lovely we, story thank we you we have to get into all of that this just turned into a very special podcast yeah. uh, because we all I have that in common i wasn't fired but i was pretty much uh encouraged to leave which there are ways that they can make you do that which is unfortunate but we all land on our on our feet right guys oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it was great i didn't want to i wanted to get into the network at that point so um, boy did you work out it was fine but i had to take a big step back to move to get into network tv but by the way these jobs here in la you know the programming jobs and development and all that they don't exist in new york there there's a whole i didn't know this whole category existed and i was in network until i i i I became an executive on letterman i didn't realize i thought it was just people develop the shows and that was it but no, there's a whole team. And what Lori's talking about is the current department of which she headed up. Lori's the person at the table, at the table read for that week's episode of whatever show, whether it's Raymond of King of Queens, yeah. who then has to weigh in with network notes. Did but, that make it uh, kind of unpopular sometimes? No, like, no, I, I get along great with writers. I mean, that's what I do now. I think um, uh, people, well, I, I shouldn't say, I was. some people have a really bad idea about notes and some people really do being on the other side of network notes now. Um, it's different, you know, and sometimes you, you know, you really disagree, but it's like what I would tell all the writers is, look, if you're going to take the money, you're the buyers, you know, so you have to try and figure out how to make their note work, even if you don't um, like it. But 
you know, m- most writers are, are great and it's all very collaborative and um, it's not like the big bad network. And, my, and we all know each other. It's a really small town. And, and the notes that that Laurie is bringing back, I mean, they, you know, she's got a lot of voices in her ear. She's hearing from the network about the ratings, about who in the cast you want to see more of. Like, imagine being the executive on on Family Matters saying, listen, this Urkel character, we need more Urkel in every episode because yeah. he, he was not the star of that show. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's all like on the network side. That's what we would call them buyers. And, you know, when I went to the other side. Um, you become a, a seller, really, you know, if you're if you if you switch to being, you know, a producer and you're a seller. And I did I did a um, uh, a little roundtable for the PGA last night. And I just said to them, you want to be a producer, you are like 95 percent Willie Loman, you know, schlepping around town, right. you so know, your wares and your scripts and your you you have to have that skill in order to, to do that. Well, let me go back to something you said though. And I, I asked about, you know, so you weren't very, very popular. You said you have to get along with the writers. I, my, when we worked together, one of the things I admired most about you is you were so good at getting along with everybody, especially the talent and the writers. I mean, in a way that I had not seen before, you were just always cool, calm and collected about dealing with, and, you know, the talent could be screaming and throwing things and climbing up the or wall. Or urinating. And, 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 <laughs> right. and, you were, and Lori was right there, man. She was just handling things. And I would stand on the side and go, wow, I wish I could do that. But uh, you were the best at it. And so I, I just have to say that. Thank you. I, well, that came from Saturday Night Live. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning that, there. That came from working from working there because you know was not acceptable answer, and you had you're in a live situation, and um, you know you had there was a lot of talent relations talent relations. You know, it's um, that's also a skill. <laughs> you know, you can't be intimidated. But it, it, it was always very sad, especially in the beginning when you meet somebody you really admired and then they're just turned out to be a real, you know, asshole. That <laughs> happens. That happens. But um, don't hold that. Yeah. <laughs> Lori, did you get involved with the booking of I know you you, you booked the music for Saturday Night Live. Everyone. You booked, I booked the, ho- the host as well. The, the-, the time I left, I was booking the host. I was booking the music and I was even involved in like getting the extras every week. I think like six people do that now, but right. I, you know, and how, how Wellner, who was our mutual right. and um, who was great guy from, it was horrible from COVID. Great. He, he did all the music. He did all the arranging and, um, and I have a new respect for all that because my my son is a musician and composer yeah and that's exciting on cobra kai yeah he does the music for cobra kai we worked together once on a pilot it was that's great. incredible yeah it was really fun wow what was that like i mean couldn't i tell him well first of all, Did i you said, give him notes <laughs> um i stayed out of that because i got so anxious like when he was getting notes i really was crossing boundaries like i wasn't you know and he's fine you know he was fine with it um but um, I did tell him when, you know, we decided we were going to do this together that he couldn't screen my calls and, you know, not pick up. And it wasn't, you know, mom anymore. I was the executive producer. 
And he goes, yeah, oh, I get it. I get it. You know, and sometimes he would call and say, mom, I know I'm not supposed to be calling you because I'm the composer and I should be calling somebody else, but could you just help me through this problem? <laughs> but it was wonderful. We, I, I want to work with him again, but he's too busy. Um, so, he's a great story. That's great. Yeah. yeah the music great. on that show was fat. And that's a, that's a, that's a monster show that started out on YouTube, oh, but now I, it's like yeah. Netflix. Netflix's biggest show. Um, billion views, minutes, 61 billion minutes. They just found out from ASCAP. <laughs> um, but by the way, season wow. four, do a plug, season four is being shot now. And they're just wonderful people. They just, it's a great group. That's wonderful. So you, so you were at SNL. Just give us a ballpark of the car, of the, um, the, the, who was, who were the cast when you were on there? Who were you working with? Julia Louis Dreyfus, who had just graduated. Um, from Northwestern, her husband, her boyfriend then, and still her husband was a Brad Hall, right? Who, who became a writer. He was. Um, he did the news uh, for a while there. I yeah, think. yeah. Eddie Murphy, um, you know that guy. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> oh, I, can I just diverse for one more second? Yes. <laughs> I digress. Eddie's daughter was in school with my son. So he never, I never saw him at the school, but I once had to take my son to um, Brianna's birthday party. So, you know, I drive him up there and I, I let him out. And um, I don't know, I think it was about 11. And I said, if you see Eddie, tell him you're Lori Zax's son. And he just looked at me and he goes, nobody cares, mom. <laughs> so, so anyway, so he was there and Eddie was always very nice. He was, he, you know, didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't. Do, so I you mean, were there for uh, Eddie's last year, right? Because like, he, yeah, he wasn't on there very long. Yeah, Eddie, it was a, it was crazy. It was, um, and then it was like Billy Crystal and. Um, Larry, it was like, oh, you were there for that? You were there Larry for that? Larry was a writer. Yeah, Larry was a writer. And you were there for that amazing season where it was Martin Short and Billy yeah, Crystal. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and Christopher Guest. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. Talk and, about and Christopher I did Guest. get to book all those um, musical acts. I just had the best time with all those acts in the 80s. You know, every week it was, you know, Duran Duran and Men at Work. And, right. you know, it was just fun to go hang with everybody after, you know, after work on Saturday night. <laughs> but did you ask me something, Laura, about Christopher Guest? I, no, I, I don't I, know. You, you, well. you mentioned Christopher Guest. And I just, yeah. I, I first saw Christopher Guest when I saw Lemmings, which was the, you know, the, the show, the National Lampoon show. And that was before the, anybody was on Saturday Night Live. I mean, it was Belushi and it was uh, Chevy Chase and Christopher Guest uh, in this live show in Greenwich Village, an off-off Broadway show. Mm-hmm. National Lampoon, I went to see it. I came out of there and I thought, man, Christopher Guest is going to be a major comedy star. I thought he was the funniest, the best, the most yeah. talented. And, and then almost immediately... You know, Chevy Chase and, and Belushi kind of eclipsed him for a while. And I thought, man, that's odd, because I just thought he was brilliant. Isn't he brilliant? He is. But I think that um, he's more, I think he's more of a writer, director. He's character based. He's yeah. not himself. He's other people. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't, I, look, I, I don't know. I don't know him that well. He's not like a super forthcoming person. He's, you know, uh-huh. he's great, though, very, really smart. But he, all his, you know, work, every, you know, the films that, I mean, he wrote them and he was in them, but he, I think he's, that's where his passion lies. But I, that's just a guess from me, but I think he's incredibly talented. All of them, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, he's, he's been, he was always a great, you know, he was kind of yeah. a comedy hero of mine. Okay. So you, you were at SNL during uh, an, an 
like a pivotal time, a transitional year year for them. And then you ended up, and this is where we were getting close to meeting you in our career wise. You went to MTV, right? Which was at that point launching a a, a network to go against our comedy channel. Oh, I went to MTV Hot. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you went to Hot, which was describe that. uh, What was that like there? Well, first of all, there was like twelve people (laughs) when I got started. But I have to say, there weren't a lot of funny people in charge. Like when you guys came over, you guys were so funny. Well, we merged. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you merged, there weren't a lot of like Jews and Italians there. You know, like, <laughs> as we know, they are the funniest. I tick off the Italian box art. Did you? Yeah. So I never really got a handle on, you know, where the comedy was coming from, but I got to develop, you know, some fun shows. And what did um, you do there? What shows? I don't remember I their originals. Did, um, yeah, I did this show. I won a Cable Ace Award. Uh, <laughs> hey, I think we all have one of those. Yeah, yeah but you know something? Yeah. Don't don't laugh. That was a it was a big that, deal. That was a big deal in those days yeah. because they weren't giving anybody the, Emmys yeah. at uh, at cable. Right. Did you do the game show with Billy Billy Campbell? Was there a game show on Ha? Huh? Um, no, I didn't do that. But I, you know, I think those shows were I didn't do them until it was um, Comedy Central. Comedy Central. There was a show, Comics Only, with Paul Provenza. That was Comedy yeah. Central. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ha was short-lived, and so was the Comedy Channel. And, yeah. and by the way, I just need to reference Art Bell's uh, incredible book, Constant Comedy. Yeah. Um, how I? What's the subtitle again, Art? How, how I, I started Comedy Central and lost my sense of humor. Of which Laurie <laughs> <laughs> and I are featured in the book. Yeah. Ha quickly became Comedy Central because yeah. it, so we merged. And that's where we got we fell in love with you, working with you. I, I got um, I got to interrupt for a question because you know I have talked to people about this over the years, but when during when when the channels merged, we at Comedy Channel were like, oh my gosh, you're kidding, we're merging. How, how did that happen? Because we didn't have anything to do about it. They just called us up and said, okay, yeah. you guys are merging with Ha, who you've been you know going against tooth and nail for the last six months. Uh, What was your reaction? Well, I was scared I was going to lose my job. (laughs) That's a good good first reaction. That was my first reaction. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, all my girlfriends were over at comedy at what was yours called? The comedy channel. The comedy Comedy channel. Channel. Yeah, I know it's an odd name for a comedy channel, but that's what we called it. I was happy. um, I mean, Betsy Bournes was there. Right. Gail Bourbon. And we're, we're all, we're still friends. Um, so I, I mean, I thought it was a great idea from a business standpoint. Um, and you also had the whole HBO thing behind you, which I think made a big difference. Right. And um, yeah, no, I was happy about it once it kind of settled in, you know. And we every, found out you had a job. Redundancies. But um, uh, <laughs> my son just texted me, must have known I was talking about him. Probably is a business uh, business question, <laughs> but um, I don't. You know, it was interesting um, because, like, when it first started, I don't. I it, you know when the corporate part of com- of Comedy Central, I don't think they really knew. You know what I did and the importance of having somebody there who had relationships with talent and you know, knew how to do that. But then, you know, then they, you know, caught on 
Yeah, you set up the West Coast office. That was that was set up because yeah, of you. Years later, that was a couple years later. Because I remember being there when Bill Maher came in, and right. um, that's when Mitch Semmel was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he came in to do a uh, uh, politically, um, politically correct, politically incorrect. Yeah, he pitched us. He, yeah, Mitch and, and I were at a diner, and he pitched us there, and we we yeah. bought it on the spot. And I did that show London Underground. I went to London. With that was Anna great. Ford. That was a great yeah, show. That was great fun. Show. And his wife went into labor. Um, she was like five months. Whose wife? Dennis Leary. Oh, Dennis Leary, right. Oh, right. Yeah, we had we had kids around the same age. And John Stewart. I mean, John Stewart used to come with me to to um, you know LA and you know just hang. <laughs> it was well, you but, booked. I remember you booked, and they weren't as well known at the time when we did the the show that put us on the map, the State of the Union Undressed, a big yeah. live thing. I remember. Yeah. Dennis Leary and John Stewart were in the green. We were all in the green room and they ended up doing, we did a live post show with a yeah. bunch of comedians and they yeah. were just, you know, two of the comedians. So, so yeah. you, you did a lot at comedy central. And then uh, we talked at this top of the show, how you do, you know, it didn't end as well as it started. Uh, yeah, but it was fine because I got to, I really wanted to get to LA. That was my main purpose. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get into scripted. Those, the scripted jobs are the ones that are not in um, New York. New York, yeah. I mm-hmm. wanted to get into scripted, and um, I actually wanted to go. I wanted to go work for Les Mundas because right. I read about him. I mean, despite you know what has happened, everything you heard, you know, he he was in excellent programming. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I mean, we both oh, yeah, worked. Right. Sure. We both worked for him at the same time. So when you're yeah. So I want to get into, because I'm fascinated by, you know, when Raymond went on the air, it was not a hit outside the box. You know, it was on a yeah. Friday night, Dave's World. And you had to navigate some scary waters because this was an uh, it was an HBO production married with a, a Letterman. You know, Letterman's team was involved. So you had right. the network in your ear. You, you have to deal with 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 Letterman's World by Pants. And then Stu Smiley, who worked uh, at HBO Downtown. So what were the early days like of Raymond and the table reads and the casting and all the stuff you had to deal with? Yeah, well, first of all, I came in um, when I started. Yeah, the show just started, but I wasn't there initially. Mm -hmm. There was somebody else assigned who nobody liked. And (laughs) like I heard... You know, I'd met Phil a couple of times and he asked CBS because I like that brunette. You know, she seems okay. So when I came in, you know, I think it was the top of the second season. Like the first season, it it was uh, it hadn't even like hit yet until Les moved it to Monday. Which everybody freaked out about at the show. Like everybody were like, no, we'll get canceled if. Oh, my God. It, It was it was crazy. But all that political stuff, that was all, you know, all uh, between HBO and event. When I got there, I think HBO sold their portion. I mean, I don't. um, I think CBS at a certain point took over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I look when you're doing when you were doing a show for less, he was the you know, he he was the guiding force in that. Right. And honestly, it was such a well-run show. I mean, Phil is an incredible showrunner. Um, he listened to notes that there were never a lot, you know, his the the first drafts, and this has never happened again. I mean, to me, for me, like these first drafts were so excellent. Um, the writers were so 
um, you know, fantastic. So I, I, I didn't have a lot to do uh, politically there. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, stress on that show or talent management because the talent was so great. And, uh, you know, we all still get together like, you know, well, we're I'm friendly with Ray and his wife because our kids grew up together there and everything. But Ray does uh, a Labor Day Labor Day party every year and everybody shows up, you know, oh, Brad Garrett. Were you, that's nice. Were you there when I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not sure of the timeline when the show became a monster hit, obviously. And you know, the way sitcoms work, they nail you for five years, the network and they're getting yeah. you for a good deal. Yeah. And then if the show wants to, if the network wants the show to continue, that's where the actors really make the money. And I remember it was like, really like, will they come back for another year? Cause the stakes kept on getting higher. Like I think a million dollars an episode for, for Raven at that point, were yeah. you there during that time? Um, not the very end because I was that's when Les sent me over to run current for okay. uh, UPN. But um, I know it was hard. Uh, this network did not want it to end. Um, you know, I, I again, I don't know the exact. I mean, I read the books, so right. I, I, <laughs> I still wanted it to end. Right. And, um, you know, it was just time. I mean, if Phil wasn't going to be there then Ray was going to be there. But I think they thought they told enough stories. Um, but I know it was a big disappointment. Well, now, now you're doing that show at a certain point at the same time as King of Queens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like take us through, and I know Art, you're, you're one of your best friends created that show, but take us through. One of Art's best friends. Yeah. One of Art's best friends. Yeah. But take us through, um, Jack Carter, the pilot. Were you there for the pilot of King I of Queens? Not the pilot. I came in because it was current. Current comes on the second episode, right. but yeah, when they, they, they fired Jack Carter, I heard it was a nightmare. See? Now that's then, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting because Vinny and I were talking about that before the show and yeah. Vinny said, Oh, I love Jack Carter. You know, they got him on the show. And I said, I think he didn't work out. That's my recollection. And yeah. Vinny said, you said you didn't remember that, but you just said he got fired. Huh? Yeah, because when I got in, they were bringing, they were casting um, Jerry, Jerry Stiller. I don't think they always wanted him. I mean, Jerry Stiller was a no-brainer, but he wasn't available. Yeah. My understanding you know, was probably that that maybe you know Michael would know um, that. Well, when, you know what I what he told me was first of all he loved Michael Whitehorn, who created the show, um, loved Jack Carter, and he was so oh, really? excited. Oh yeah, he loved okay. Jack Carter, and he was so excited when Jack Carter was going to do that role. And then they, he did the show and it was like, oh boy. So I think that was <laughs> a little angry. I think yeah. it was just a, a little yeah. too much. Jerry of a Stiller Jack plays it more befuddled, which is oh. funny. And Jerry. Mike ended up loving Jerry, yeah. Jerry Stiller, yeah. as we all did. But I mean, Jerry Stiller yeah. was perfect for it. He's an amazing person. He's just an amazing person. And so funny, his timing and the way he does stuff, you know, he just. He just waits and then everything, he says everything at the same time, <laughs> we would all come out. Um, but what, so what was the question about King? Well, of how Queen? did you balance the two? Like, how did you like, like on what they did Raymond tape and what they did? Oh, uh, it was, it, yeah, it was adjusted to our schedule, you know, the executive schedule. Right. By the way, I had other shows too. Those were right. You did, you did the Guardian. Things. Yeah, the biggest, yeah, the Guardian with Simon Baker. I right. did some drama shows, but what it what uh, Raymond was Tuesday night shoot and um, King of Queens was Friday night. So Friday was a tough day because I'd have to drive from the run through for Raymond 
was at three or three thirty. Oh, wow. Last a couple of hours. Then I would have to go drive all the way from Burbank to Sony. And like for anybody not living in LA, there, there were not two farther, <laughs> you know, studios that are. <laughs> um, and, uh, he, it, you know, they used to run really late. Um, Michael's uh, show, you know, Caitlin Coins went very late. Raymond, it was like you were in, you're out. Yeah, Michael wanted bad. everything just right, right? Michael wanted a lot of coverage, um, but it was a great. I love, I love both. I honestly love both of their shows. I, I feel I was incredibly lucky to work on both of them. Two very different shows, different atmospheres. Um, you know, and I hear about things that, you know, you know, Kevin didn't get it, uh, along with Leah and, um, but you know what? I, I didn't really see any of that. They really loved, I think everybody was like a family. So, you know, and it was Kevin's first show and they were just, it was delightful experience. And, and at the time, Ray and Kevin were close because they were both uh, the same generation very, of stand-up. Very close. And then it was like this weird thing because Kevin had been on, Ray as a guest spot um, in that character. And then when he had his own show, they met again for the first time, you know? Right. So it was, yeah, they were always doing crossovers. It was very, it was. Yeah, that's big. That's big network stuff. Crossover Tuesday, Monday. Um, so, okay. So now you're, you're entrenched at CBS, but then you get the call, you know, we both work for Leslie. We know how that works. It's like, I need you at UPN. He's like a coach putting you in, you know, to, 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 to another game. Yeah. Monica Morris. So what the difference between, I guess, a drama scripted drama and a scripted sitcom yeah. night and day, cause there's no taping of, you know, you get dailies. It's different. Yes. You get dailies. And it's funny now because now I do almost, I, the, all, most of my shows the past few years have been, dramas but with a little comedy but I've done some really dark stuff too but um yeah so I supervised all of the shows that were on UPN I mean talk about like a disjointed channel Buffy it was insane I mean I just hated that UPN where they had these five African American four African American shows on Monday night right and as we like really went like um, that's where girlfriends start. Like girlfriends was like Sex and City. If it was on any other network, it would have been, you know, a hit show. But there was still that, right? You know that that you know talk about systematic, you know, aggressions and you know things. It it, it was, um, yeah, it was just so disjointed and weird. So anyway, their schedule was, you know, so I covered all those shows, but I had executives who covered it. Veronica Mars um it was a fantastic show had no audience we used to send them on mall tours on the weekend <laughs> from what i remember it's like rob thomas had that script in his, his well it, it was rejected by cbs i think it was oh, a cbs yeah. pilot and we turned it down but but sold it to the upn yeah i had it i didn't know that that it had yeah. been cbs first yeah, and I remember in the casting of, of Veronica, I don't, Kristen was not the one that the studio was pushing. You know, when you go into a casting thing with the studio and you have to bring in two or three people because the studio, the network picks the one. You have to, you know, so you have to be very comfortable with who you're bringing in. Right. Um, but uh, Kristen was not the one and um, that they were 
uh, trying to, you know, who they wanted, the studio network wanted. And um, I forgot, but she killed. I mean, she killed and, you know, she's so talented. And she was, she was like 25, 26 at the time. And then, yeah, she got it. It was her first big, uh, first big role. But she also, she did Broadway. She had been on Deadwood. Um, and uh, yeah, I would drive down to San Diego, you know, a couple of times, but um, I still don't like sitting on sets. You know, I, I just really? don't. That's not the way to evaluate, I think, either, and, right? No, and I feel like once, like, I mean, as a producer, once you hire everybody and, you know, and or do all the prep and the casting and the costume and everything and hire the director and hire, like, that's when you have to take a step back and say, now it's your, you know, it's your, could, you're not like your, your turn now. Talk about casting. It. I'm fascinated by casting. I always have been because I think casting, not so as, as someone who's not working in and that side of the business casting is so important to the success of these shows but it also comes down to as you said sometimes the studio likes somebody better or the network likes yeah. somebody better talk about casting um well it's just very hard <laughs> look, look things may change a little now um because well i, I the past few years i've been mostly doing network television i haven't done a lot of cable um now um we developed a lot of half hours uh on you know cable shows um but just getting back to casting a network show a, a network pilot in that in pilot season okay every network picks up 15 you know 10 10 drama, whatever it is everybody's going after the same actors right a person um then you have you you have producers that can't agree. You have the writers. You have um, casting departments at all the studios and networks who are they're all great. Everybody's really talented people, but every network has their agenda who they want to. And every once in a while, you'll get pitched. You get a call from the network casting and say, "Well, what about you know Octavia Spencer for this role? This actually happened." And I said, well, the part is for um, a Midwestern, um, like 30 year old sheriff. Um, and so the casting person I like very much said, well, you just have to reimagine the part a little bit. I said, no, you have to reimagine the entire show. So, and then I would of course have to deliver that message to the, to the writer who, you know, it's, it's a, it's really i have cried many times during casting so uh, it's so interesting hard. Um, and one of the reasons I, I brought it up is because you know i like everybody else in america during the pandemic has been watching i've been watching a lot of british tv right yeah yeah and one of the things i noticed about it was that the casting is always so spot on i am always just blown away and I, not only the leads and not only the you know the secondary characters i'm talking about the guy who drives a cab he pulls up he looks like a guy who drives a cab whereas you know sometimes i, I watch network shows in america and everybody's so gorgeous you know everybody yeah. you, you just want to say hey to the cab driver hey go get a job as a model or go get a job <laughs> as an actor you're so beautiful you don't you shouldn't yeah. be driving a cab but in 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 britain i just love their casting what do you think about yeah, that yeah no i i agree i think um american tv is more about um pretty people um the brit i it's because it's a different financial 
stake, you know, they don't own, there's no ownership in a lot of other countries, you know, oh. as, as it is here. Um, and also the actors, the actors from, from London, like the New York actors are so well-trained and it's all about the acting. Right. I don't, I don't have a, a, a theory on it, but absolutely, you know, Hollywood is glamor and, you know, um, prettier people. And, um, yeah, I, there are times I've been in casting sessions and I don't think this will be going on anymore, but the things that are said as soon as that actress or actor walks out and it's like, I am so glad I'm not, you know, an actress or, you know, you hear things like, I can't even say, I can't even say, say something, say something, say something light. Because, um, it, no, it's just, it's, it's, it, you know, guys will sometimes not respond. Here's an interesting thing. Okay. Men and women have different, um, uh, different feelings about who is sexy as a man. Okay. So, because women process that it's like for women, um, you know, it's not really about the six pack of abs and all that. So, you know, they, if it's somebody really funny, somebody really, you know, smart and engaging and guys, when they're, when straight guys are casting a guy, you know, like we would get like in fights and I would say this, first of all, this guy looks really gay. He can't play straight. Okay. That, that, that's number one. But um, you know, that, that was very interesting to me. And I'll tell you, I was in a casting session and Pablo Pascal came in. Do you know who he is? He's mm -hmm. a big star now. He was on um, Game of Thrones and he was on Narcos. Um, and he comes in, he literally had gotten off the plane from Ireland um, uh, to do, um, he just done Game of Thrones and he came in for a casting session. And, you know, was, he was a little tired and a little, you know, you know, not, not all shaved and everything he comes in. He gives like the best reading. And I said, there's something about this guy. And I said, he's very sexy. And all the men I work with, like, looked at me like I had 12 heads. They were like, oh, <laughs> no, he looks dirty. And, he, you know, and um, uh I was like, no, this guy is really sexy. You know, I mean, Kachu now, you can't even, you can't touch him. He's so hot right That's now. So I couldn't, couldn't even get past. So those are the kind of things. And the pilot I that we didn't shoot, that I didn't get to shoot last year, we had a, you know, a, a, a chemistry situation because the guy, the actor who was, um, the actor who was cast, um, he's supposed to be the good looking guy, you know, and uh, he was in a series and he had six pack abs and all the girls are like, oh my God, he's so cute and stuff. Zero chemistry with the actress. I spent five minutes in a dressing room with him and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fall asleep. And <laughs> it's like, you know, then we were going to, we ended up that we were going to recast because there was no chemistry because you, women women have a different reaction. You know, it, it's, it, I think you're absolutely right. I wish you were around when I was dating 
because you could have shored me up a little. I did not have six pack abs. I did not have any of that stuff. But but it's dirty. (laughs) Sometimes it was dirty. But I I think that's, you know, again, I think that's very interesting, the perception. Well, you had a great story about Lori. You were telling me the way she cast the lemmings. Remember when we were recreating the lemmings? Well, you know, again, is it a great story? We did. Do you remember that, Lori? But I also don't, you know, the in the eighties on Saturday Night Live, I, I definitely did blow out some some brain cells. So <laughs> <laughs> I have no recollection of the Lemmings. Well, this I was this was the reboot. This was, this was the reboot. On we were at Comedy Central. It yeah. was the anniversary of Woodstock. And at Comedy Central, we were always wise guys. We wanted to do something to get some attention and have some fun. And we were Vinny and I were at the buzz committee meeting. We had this buzz committee where we just like sat around with a lot of guys and gals and, and said, okay, what are we going to do? You know, and trying to get something funny. And somebody said, Hey, it's, you know, for the anniversary of Woodstock, we should do lemmings because lemmings was a takeoff on Woodstock. And I said, yeah, great idea. Let's do that. And we got the script and everything else. And I just remember you, I think I put this in the book. You kind of just <laughs> casually came in one day says, and you said, yeah, we got Chris Farley to play the, the Belushi role. And I went, oh my gosh, are you kidding yeah, me? Really? You got Chris Farley? I, I and you were so you were so casual about it. Like, yeah, I got Chris Farley, you know, like what's what's for lunch? And I, I, I could not believe it. And we had such a fun time with that. But anyway, that that was my one of my favorite stories. When I think about you, that's what I think. That's cool, okay. calm, collected, and and just completely capable. On, on top of it, the adult in a room full of little boys. Um, <laughs> Lori, so I want to, now we're doing the arc of your career, and we're getting to the jackpot, if you will, after <laughs> making other people rich, and deservedly okay. so, all the showrunners. You, you're at ABC now. and no, I'm, I'm actually not at ABC. No, not I'm now. I mean, in the, at the time. No, I never went to ABC oh, Okay. Now. I'm at ABC Studios now, which is called ABC Signature. But from after the merger, I went to run a pod, a, a deal. Um, you, do you know what pods are? Should I explain? Yeah, like a production deal? Yeah, like, like if you have a production deal. I went to run a deal for a movie, uh, a movie producer. It's called Beacon Pictures. And um, I got a call about this. Uh, this job and that basically it was like well there's this you know a a lot of times like movie people and now I work for a film company they want to have it's a different skill set movies and tv and all that so I went to go work for Beacon Pictures and I never done development before and I was like well you know I can I can do this and um, uh, yeah this you know this writer came in um, who had had I don't want to give him any press because I really don't like him. Um, it ended it ended badly. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, well, I guess uh, they pitched the, he pitched about the idea that became cast. Well, no, he didn't. We went out with another idea first, and okay. then the next season we kind of were sitting and um, at a Japanese restaurant, and he said, "I have four ideas for a series," and. Um, I said, okay. And he told me what they were. And I said, you know, I, I like the one about the NYPD, you know, and the, uh, the novelist, the crime novelist. So we went to sell it to, I went with him, the writer, and we went and we sold it to um, ABC Network. The writer strike happens. They drop the whole deal. Done. You know, it's like, it's dead. 
but the studio had what had the pick of one show to keep going to 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 keep this you know just keep keep it going it's the one they wanted to come back with and it was castle so we resold it to abc and um yeah we were lucky because it premiered opposite jay leno's can I remember he was on every night. Oh, the 10 o'clock. Yeah. Yes. The, the disastrous show. late yeah. night move. Right. Actually, do you know something um, like a day ago, two days ago, it was the 12th anniversary of the premiere. Um, the magic on that show was uh, Nathan Fillion. He's incredible. Yeah. Who, of course, there were people who went, what? who is this guy? Who, you know, um, <laughs> and we must have seen about 250 women for um, Beckett. I, I mean, everybody that was, you know, that was hard. And then we cast Stana and um, yeah, we got. Now you have a bigger say in things because you're one of the creators, you know, so now you're, you know, it's, you're not the executive on the show. It's your show. No, yes. I'm a pretty, I mean, I don't write, no, but, but um, so you know, I, listen, yeah, you yes. said it was a good idea. Oh yeah. 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 No, I, I do my job and I, yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, I do all those things that make it what it is, but create, I'm sensitive always because created by is a writer's it's a, it's a writer guild um, uh, uh, credit, but yeah. So I stayed there and, you know, it became a hit and I left, I think it was after the fourth season because I got bored. Right. <laughs> and also it was it, it, it was getting a little toxic um uh not from the actors you know a lot of some backstage stuff mm-hmm. and um uh we and there was stuff with the actors later on i think it was publicized but i, I don't even want to i don't even want right. to get air to that but um i so i went back to the studio and um they set me up with mandeville and we had a meeting and um and that's where i've been since then but you've had a, you had an interest in Castle regardless, even after you were gone. Oh my God! Yeah, you yeah. had a piece of, had, a piece of a, that. Yeah, yes, because I had a fight. I had a fight for the points because the movie producer I worked for and his agent called me, and I was holding up the, um, I was holding up the negotiations, and I said I want two points on the show, and they said it's never going to go into syndication, and I said, well, if that's the case, you know, give me the two points. So right. it did go into syndication. Of course it so did. It's, 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 it, you know, it's, it's 24 seven. I mean, it streams now. It's, it's yeah. a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's something that you have to clear up here. You two kids, crazy kids. Art yeah. wrote a lot about you in the book, which was great. He no, talks about husband, the Dennis Miller. That out. Yeah. My <laughs> husband said, who's this guy, Art Bell? Cause he read it first and he goes, you're all over this book. Well, Art, like, what did he ask? What was the question that he had asked about Lori? Was yeah, I think I think I did a bookstore reading. Yeah, yeah, I was there. So yeah, right. And you were there. And so I was doing the reading. And one of the one of the questions that went by was, I think, from your husband. And it was, was Lori, was my wife, Lori Zacks, really that much of a badass in those days? <laughs> did he do that? I didn't even know. <laughs> but I didn't answer it. And I felt so bad. because What's after, the answer? Of course he was, I right? He, I'd have no, to think about it. No, of course, but in a good way. It was, it was so funny <laughs> that he asked that, and I felt so bad. I almost wrote you an email saying, "Oh, I wanted to ask answer your husband, but I couldn't." No, um, it's good that you didn't. If I knew, I would have gotten mad at him. <laughs> he did it. So, you know. but what I need so you to clear up, take away my thunder. 
Uh, <laughs> what I need you to clear up, Lori, is yeah. uh, the Dennis Miller story. And we'll go out on that one. Okay. Yeah. So Art had a story in the book that involved Lori and Dennis Miller. Um, Art, yeah. why don't you start? Yeah, let me just set it up. I mean, we I, I don't even know why we were together at that point, but Dennis well, Miller. We it we was would, that night. It was a live broadcast. Yeah, it was yeah, the it second was live, year. It was, it was the second broadcast. one, which was a big yeah. deal. We were we was were Franken doing the, there that night too. No, no, okay. Franken was not there. It was just yeah. Dennis Miller. He was going to cover the State of yeah. the Union. We called it the State of the Union undressed. He was commenting live on yeah. the State of the Union. Okay, so you yeah. and I were sitting in the green room and we're watching, and he starts off and he's funny as hell and he's yeah. great and we're having a great time. And I kind of like zoned out, you know. Yeah. And I was like sort of half paying attention. And at one point, you went, "Oh my gosh." And you stood up and you started to walk out. I said, what's the matter? And you walked out the door. And what happened is <laughs> Dennis said he, he was on the thing and it went long. And he said, I have to go to the bathroom really badly. <laughs> and you said, oh, my God. And and he didn't know what to do. So he walks out of the set. He walks off the set into the hallway, looks around, doesn't see a bathroom. And he goes to the bathroom in the garbage can that happened to be sitting there outside in the hall. And he's miked. He's still miked. Obviously there's no camera on him, but he's still miked. And he's saying, yeah, okay, I had to do this. I'm sorry. I'm going to get back to it. And he's talking to the audience and he goes back and he finishes things up and he comes out after the show. And the first thing he says is, Oh my God, I just killed my career. And he was holding his head. He was <laughs> screaming. He runs down the hall. And I'm like, no, you didn't kill your career. And you were saying, you didn't kill your career. It was great. And he runs into the men's bathroom. And you and I are standing outside the men's bathroom. And what did you say to me? I don't remember. You said, I'm not going in there. I draw the line of going into the men's bathroom. Oh, you go in there and you tell them. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you mean? You're you in know, charge of talent. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so I had to go in there and I had to, you know, I had to think about what would, what would Lori do in this situation? <laughs> because I wasn't used to doing that. So I went in and I said, okay, Dennis, you didn't kill your career. And I did no. kind of talk him off the ledge. And then he came out and, uh, the rest is history. It but sounds vaguely familiar. I don't remember, but it really is. I don't, I just don't remember some stuff, but hearing you tell it like that, it does sound familiar, but I remember the Franken. I remember Franken. I do remember yeah. that. Tell me that. He was on the first one, Franken. Tell me that. Yeah, he was on the first one and he didn't know it was live or. Oh I yeah. Didn't... Tell us that. That's right. Well, Art remembers it better than I. Yeah, do, I, I remember it. Okay, so we're, we're on the we're on this uh, set. We're on the set. They had been rehearsing all day, and the rehearsals were going really well. And I think it was Billy Campbell. Was it Billy Campbell was oh, directing? Billy Kimball. Yeah, Billy Kimball. Kimball, Kimball. Kimball. Billy, I'm sorry. Campbell. I called him Campbell early. It's Campbell. Yeah, that's why I call it Campbell. The last, the last week, I was there in my office before when he he was doing something at the studio, and he came in. He's oh wow. Yeah, he's yeah, around. He's, he's around. Um, Super but anyway, so Billy guy. Campbell says, Billy Kimball. Oh, for God's sake. Billy, what are you doing? Is it Jimmy Kimball? <laughs> Billy Kimball was at CBS. No, that's right. Know. That's why I got confused. Okay. Okay. okay, I know. Anyway, Billy Kimball says, okay, great rehearsal. Um, everybody get ready because we go on live in 45 minutes. And Al Franken goes, wait a second. We're doing this live. <laughs> Nobody told me we were doing this live. I thought it was going to be taped. I am not doing this live. I am going to go call my manager or my, or my agent. I don't know what he said right now. And he walks out 
And the rest of us are standing on the set saying, oh, my God, we're about to go live. We put him all over creation. We're going to do this without Franken. Yeah. And I remember you running out the door after him and thinking, man, I hope this works. And it did. You brought him back in and he did it. I can't. It's so funny because why would Al be like nervous about doing something live? Yeah, he worked on Saturday Night Live. He always worked live. And, um, but there was no script here. I mean, this was... There was no script. It was yeah. really riffing off of the president's speech in real time. Yeah. But yeah. And I mean, I, I thought that was the genesis of it. Well, you've navigated some incredible waters in your career, and we loved having you at, on our show as our first guest. I'm, I'm making it official art. I'm calling it. This is the first one. I'm so honored seeing you guys. You have to come when you come to LA when this is over. I remember walking around the studio with you, Paramount, Vinny. I forgot what. You took me to one of your shows that you were doing. The one. Oh, I was at, yeah, we went to see Girlfriends, I think. We yeah, were, Ken Levine, Ken Levine's show. The who? one with the actress. She's, she plays Tim Allen's wife on, on. Man oh, Nancy Travis. Yeah, oh, that was, you did that show. Oh, right. That was my very first like show I did it. I was excited because you took me to a run through for that because I worked in yeah. late night. I didn't I never you know, was around that world of scripted. And then you took me to the Frasier set, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I do remember I came and to Letterman when I think Nathan was on the show. Yeah. Nathan. Yeah. And at right. first we couldn't get him booked right away. I remember oh, that. Yeah. It was like, mm, he's not quite big enough. And then it was like, yeah, can he come do the show? <laughs> That's so funny. I know. Because I generally go with the talent, you know, like if they did uh, Jimmy Kimmel or, you know, I, I, and I was in New York, so I came. I went with Nathan. Well, that's good because you're a very calming influence. And goodness knows we need a calming influence, especially on our first show. Lori, it has been spectacular to have you as our first guest. I'm so glad you were here and it was great to see you. Thanks, Lori. We love you. Thank you so, so much. So great. And thank you. I'm really honored that you had me as your first guest. I really Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Man, that was fun talking to Lori. Wow. I hadn't talked to her in a long time. And she's a big part of my book, Vinny, as yeah. you remember, because she was so good at what she did and she really handled talent. You know, she mentioned at the end that they call her the talent whisperer. I found that fascinating because she is, she well, was just, she was just able to do that. I, I agree. And, and I felt she made me feel comfortable you know, on our own podcast. She was a great first guest to have terrific, terrific person and really open and honest about all the ups and downs of a career, especially for a woman in Hollywood. And uh, she's, she's incredible. Uh, very, very thankful for her for being here. Art, I'm excited to go on this journey with you. We've got another show coming up next week. Can't wait. Can't all right. Wait. All right. So, so this is Vinny Favali and Art Bell. And signing off for Constant Comedy. We'll see you next week. How was that?